SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after for hour number two of a Thursday TMA on the Spiz Grizz, otherwise known as the Sports Grid Network. Sirius XM, Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. I am Ben Stevens. Welcome to hour number two, where we will break down college basketball in the month of March. But the NFL never stops. We'll look at the combine in Indianapolis that gets underway today and if we can get ahead of the market in some of those future prices for the 2022 nfl draft and then maybe in just a few short days the nfl free agency market begins to churn as free agency opens in the middle of march and if we can predict the future and look into our crystal ball here with the creative help of our producer john shames maybe we can find some profitability as well and then if the nfl never stops and college basketball is fully exciting well major league baseball has stopped for the time being as the lockout continues and regular season games have been canceled later to end out our number two bob nightingale of usa today sports who covers mlb and has for a very very long time one of the biggest media voices in that sport will join us for the latest on the lockout across major league baseball but let's begin with the 2022 NFL Draft and all that is happening this week inside Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis for the NFL Draft Combine and thus the odds for the NFL Draft. And as we said yesterday, there has been a change at the top for who is favored to go number one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's look at that board right now because Evan Neal, the offensive tackle, out of Alabama is now the favorite to be the first overall selection in the upcoming 2022 NFL draft. Evan Neal is now minus money at minus 110. You see Aiden Hutchinson, the edge rusher out of Michigan, behind him with a price of plus 300. Just over a month and a half ago, as the regular season in the NFL was coming to a close, Aiden Hutchinson was minus money to be the number one overall pick selected by the Jacksonville Jaguars in this upcoming draft. Just last week, Aiden Hutchinson was plus 170 as the favorite to be the number one overall pick, and Evan Neal was 90 cents behind at plus 260. But there seems to have been a shift, either in mentality or based on these odds, that the Jaguars are going to protect last year's number one overall pick, in Trevor Lawrence, their biggest asset, their quarterback for the future by protecting his blind side a little bit more with Evan Neal at minus 110. Is that the right move? Well, we will have to wait and see when all is said and done. And will Evan Neal remain the favorite in minus money for the rest of this draft season, which really and fully gets underway this week in Indianapolis? You will not see Evan Neal 
in Indianapolis. He is waiting until Alabama's Pro Day at the end of this month to work out for NFL draft scouts and everybody that will have a say in where Evan Neal gets selected in the 2022 NFL draft. Aiden Hutchinson will be there in Indianapolis. Ikemakwanu, as you can see there as well, will be there in Indianapolis, the offensive tackle out of NC State. Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge rusher out of Oregon, who has had his odds drop drastically in this board. Now, 12-1 to 1 to be the number one selection in the NFL draft should be there in Indianapolis as well. We'll look at some of those draft combine odds here in just a moment. But first, we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the second hour of a Thursday edition on this program known as the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. Welcome to the show. Thank you for getting in the mix. I am Ben Stevens. So now we look at some odds that you can actually bet on for the 2022 NFL Draft Combine. That begins today with workouts on the turf inside Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, Indiana. A huge couple of weeks, by the way, for Indy. The Draft Combine this weekend, the NC or the Big Ten Women's Basketball Tournament this week and weekend as well. And the next week, Big Ten Men's Basketball gets to Indianapolis for that conference tournament. That should be very exciting as well. Yesterday on the show, we started to speculate what some of these odds might look like. And yes, it's a very difficult thing to try to handicap who is going to run the fastest 40-yard dash. It's not like we have predictive metrics to really dive into this number, but we have seen some movement in this marketplace over the past 24 hours since we first discussed it yesterday here on TMA. I'm not sure why the market has moved, but it has, as you can see by these numbers and prices. Tariq Woolen, the outstanding defensive back who stands at 6'4", 205 out of UTSA is still the favorite to run the fastest 40 at plus 350. But if you remember about 24 hours ago at this time, he was the favorite, but at plus 200. Kalen Barnes and Tyquan Thornton, who you see down there a little bit at plus 450 and plus 600 respectfully, or respectively out of Baylor, had the second shortest odds yesterday at plus 300. Now you see Danny Gray and Calvin Austin, the third. So Tariq Woolen at plus 350 has already started to move up draft boards across the National Football League. If he cashes that plus 350 ticket as the fastest 40-yard dash time at this week's NFL scouting combine, goodness gracious, he is going to fly up boards. A 6'4", 205 pound cornerback that can run a 4-2 or low 4-3-40 oh my god watch that draft stock absolutely rise by the way there's other markets like who's going to run a fast 40 Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson or who's going to be the fastest quarterback that's probably Malik Willis at minus 200 continuing on the morning after on this Thursday up next SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. In certain areas of the country, I am known as Big Ten Ben. I love the Big Ten Conference, one of the most illustrious and historic conferences in all of collegiate athletics. I would love nothing more 
than for the Big Ten Conference to finally once again win a national championship in men's basketball. But as we have told you over the last couple of weeks, and as we even mentioned earlier on in the opening hour of this show with our very own Greg Sussman, kind of a Big Ten guy because he went to Maryland and the Terrapins now in the Big Ten Conference, the Big Ten has not won a national championship in men's basketball in over two decades. In fact, the last 21 NCAA tournaments, the last national title that the Big Ten Conference can claim overall Michigan State in 2000. Tom Izzo was still there, but the point guard was Mateen Cleaves, not Tyson Walker or A.J. Hogard. And right now, the odds are indicating the Big Ten doesn't have the best shot to snap that streak this year in the 2022 NCAA tournament. Don't believe me? Well, let's just look at the odds. And as we start by looking at some of the best odds out of the Big Ten to win the national championship, this marketplace has certainly worked against even the best teams in this league. Now, Purdue has the eighth best odds currently to win the national championship on the FanDuel Sportsbook at 16 to 1. All of these odds that you see here on this graphic are within the top 25 odds to win the national championship. So four teams in the top 25, as you correlate that to the seeding lines for an NCAA tournament bracket, that would be these four teams all probably on the six or seven line or lower. But Purdue at 16 to one might be the best odds and inside the top 10 with the eighth best price, but certainly has worked against them over the last week because at this time last week, Purdue had the fourth best odds in the country, only behind Gonzaga, Arizona, and Kentucky. And the price was nearly half of this at plus 850 on Thursday of this past week before a loss on the road on Saturday against Michigan State, followed up by a loss on the road on Tuesday night in Madison, Wisconsin. Purdue will not be the Big Ten champion and probably not going to be even a two-seed in the NCAA tournament. So that is why Purdue is at 16-1. to Behind them is Illinois at 40-1 to to win the national championship, the second-best price out of the Big Ten Conference. That price on Illinois really hasn't moved all that much. Illinois, a 13-and-a-half-point favorite in action tonight against Penn State. Wisconsin is an interesting price. The Badgers are the Big Ten regular season champions as long as they beat Nebraska on Saturday and have already wrapped up a co-Big Ten regular season title for all of you out there wondering why the Badgers were celebrating on Tuesday night in Madison. Let the kids have fun. But I believe we have moved the market on the Wisconsin Badgers because on Monday afternoon, after Wisconsin was ranked inside the top 10 in the latest AP poll, I sent out a tweet that the FanDuel Sportsbook engaged with that made it more available to the masses. That Wisconsin, who was 7-3 and three against Quad 1 opponents, 8-1 and one against Quad 2, now ranked number 10 in the country with a chance to win a Big Ten title on Tuesday night against Purdue was 100-1. to one to win the national championship. When was the last time you could get to the final day of February or into early March with the number 10 team in the country who might have a realistic path to being a number one seed at 100 to one to win the national championship? Well, the market has moved and we have moved it because that price has now been cut in half. Wisconsin, 50 to one this morning on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Iowa, the fourth best price at 90 to one. I do want to make one more point before we dive into some of the matchups we have in the Big Ten Conference tonight because plenty on this Thursday night slate. You saw that board earlier in the show, and I mentioned we would get back to it. The conference of the national champion in college basketball, not just deciding which individual team 
would cut down the nets in early April, but which league in the country had the best shot to win the national championship? And you could think of it from a value and depth perspective. If you have a couple of teams that rank in the top 10 or the top 20, not only in the odds, but the rankings, then maybe you have a better chance overall to have one of those teams cash this ticket for you in the SEC is the favorite right now, and rightfully so. The SEC has two teams in the top six odds to win the national championship in both Kentucky and Auburn. That is why the SEC is plus 340. The WCC has the second best price at plus 350 to win the national championship. Most of that price is from the fact that Gonzaga is the short favorite to win the national title at plus 370. The Big 12 in this marketplace has made a drastic jump to plus 390. The Big 12 has teams like Baylor, who has the third best odds to win the national championship. They have teams like Kansas, like Texas Tech, Texas, all of these teams that add up to the value in this market. And then you have to go down a little bit to find the Big 10 at plus 750. We made this point about two weeks ago. We made the point that it was interesting the Big 12 at the time at plus 500 had the fifth best odds behind conferences like the Big 10 and the Pac-12. At the time we made that point, the Big Ten had the third best price at plus 430. Where is the Big Ten on this Thursday, the third day in the month of March? Plus 750. So again, it's not just maybe some of my pessimism, even as Big Ten Ben, hoping for a Big Ten national championship. It's the odds market as well. Plus 750 now for the Big Ten, the fifth best price as a conference overall to win the national championship. So maybe we don't look to the futures market, but just to tonight. In a huge Thursday night in the Big Ten Conference across the entire league. Number 24, Iowa, goes on the road to Ann Arbor to take on Michigan. The Wolverines, a two-point favorite. The over-under is at 155.5. Iowa has won four straight. Iowa has covered in three of their last four. And Iowa is an underdog in this game against the Wolverines tonight. I'm not sure you can look at Michigan right now and try to fade them based on what they did just a couple of nights ago on Tuesday to their bitter foe in Michigan State when they easily covered as a four-and-a-half-point favorite. But this is the third game for the Michigan Wolverines since Sunday. Keep that in mind because Iowa has been covering numbers. They have covered in five of their last seven. They are tied with Wisconsin for the best ATS mark in all of the Big Ten Conference at 17-12 and 12 against the spread. And maybe you want to go to an over because Iowa has the fourth highest over percentage in all of college basketball despite playing an under in three of their last four games. 68% of the games for the Hawkeyes this year have hit the over. And Michigan has hit the over in four of their last five games. So even in a lofty total of 155.5, maybe an over is at play. I'm not so sure, given maybe the legs for Michigan, not as fresh tonight, their third game in just about five days from Sunday for Michigan. All of them have been at home. That's a good thing, but their third game in five days. Now, Michigan seems like they are firmly inside the NCAA tournament. Minus 1,400 right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook to make the field of 68. Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State all are at 32-1 to 1 
to reach the final four. The same prices, Michigan State and number 23, Ohio State, match up tonight. The Buckeyes, a six-point home favorite with an over-under that currently sits at 138.5. Both of these teams desperately need this game. The Spartans have lost six of their last eight. Ohio State has lost two straight. And they have not been great losses for Ohio State against the best in the Big Ten Conference against Maryland and as a 15-point home favorite on Tuesday night against Nebraska. That qualifies as a quad three loss. Michigan State also only covered in two of their last nine games. I do want to make one more point here from the Big Ten to the Big 12 because we have mentioned the Big 12 and their movement in the market to be a conference to win the national championship. Now they have the third best odds. And look at all of these teams here out of the Big 12 that equate to that value. We'll make a point later on in the show, I hope, about Iowa State and TCU. But Baylor has the third best price to reach the Final Four out of anybody in the country at plus 220. I am already personally invested on Texas Tech at plus 550. A ton of value in the Big 12 that correlates to that price. Free agency frenzy, perhaps, in the NFL. Next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The NFL offseason never truly stopped. This week in Indianapolis, the draft combine that sets the stage for the 2022 NFL draft at the end of the month of April. But this is March, not just for college basketball, but in the NFL, free agency begins in just about a week and a half. So let's have some fun here on the morning after and predict the marketplace and what might happen to some of the future odds to win the Super Bowl next year in Super Bowl 57 with where some of the biggest free agency names potentially could go in the open market. And this creative segment and a very fun segment is the brainchild of our very own John Shames, our producer, back in the producer's pit here alongside for this segment. So, John, explain this to the people a little bit, what we are doing here and how we are trying to use the odds to maybe get ahead of the market. All right, so like you said, the NFL is king. No matter what, there's always something in the news cycle to talk right. about. And we have free agency starting in, in you know, just a few weeks here. Um, and what I, what I was thinking last night when I was planning this segment with my roommate, shout out to Andrew Quigley, who was an important part of, of creating this as well. Um, yep. You know, we have some marquee free agents this year, maybe not quite as loaded of a class as, as maybe in a couple years past, but we have guys who could potentially move the needle. So what we were doing was kind of going by um, you know, a fake odds making perspective and, and predicting what the market movement might look like if these marquee free agents found a new home or re-signed, you know, with their with their current teams right now. So we have a few guys here, a few different positions to look at. And the right. goal is to see how much would would these guys move the needle for the Super Bowl tickets for, you know, a potential future destination. I think it's a great idea as well, using some of the potential free agent names. And you will see a quarterback coming up in this segment. But most of the big-name quarterbacks that could certainly move the market in this offseason would have to be traded. Jimmy Garoppolo would have to be traded. Russell Wilson would have to be traded. Aaron Rodgers, if he decides that Green Bay is no more, would have to be 
traded. There would be a lot that would needed for some of these guys to move to other places and thus to move the market. This is a free agency discussion. And as we focus on the Packers here, John, Devontae Adams is technically approaching free agency. There has been a rumor that if the Packers do not give him a long-term extension, of which he desires and is more than capable of receiving, they might put the franchise tag on him, which means he would not be a free agent in this offseason. We have had uh, Matt Schneidman, the Packers beat writer for The Athletic, on the show, and we have had some updates from Indianapolis, from GM Brian Gutenkunst in Green Bay about the idea that Devontae deserves that money. They would rather pay him that money if it makes fiscal sense than let him walk, and thus the franchise tag might be moved. But let's look at some of the odds for Devontae Adams, and I think the most likely team that he plays for next year, by all accounts, either with a long-term extension or with that franchise tag is the Green Bay Packers at 12 to 1. And that price on the Packers already, Shames, is moving from 13 to 1 earlier in this offseason, now tied for the best odds to win the Super Bowl in the NFC portion at 12 to 1. But some of the other prices you can see there the Ravens, 18 to 1. The Chargers, 24 to 1. And I'm glad you included, and maybe this was a Quigley idea, the Las Vegas Raiders at 50 to 1, because Devontae Adams himself has expressed interest in playing with his former college quarterback, and that would be Derek Carr. Both Devontae Adams and Derek Carr played their college football at Fresno State. So there is that idea of a reunion. And Devontae Adams, although not a quarterback, can certainly move the market if he goes to another destination. I'm not sure it's going to be a double-digit drop-off in price, but you're telling me, Shames, that if Devontae Adams does walk from Green Bay, or better maybe termed, is allowed to walk from Green Bay and he signs with the Raiders, yes, a very competitive division, but that 50-1 to is at least probably 47-1, to 46-1, right? I think you're 100% right about that. And listen, like Derek Carr is a guy, you give him some weapons. We got we to gotta give him some weapons to see what he can do, you know. And the Raiders this year, their defense was great. And obviously they, they made a lot of noise or, you know, they made some noise kind of into the, the, the last stretch of the regular season there um, to sure. give him someone, you know, on the outside like that who, who can kind of give that explosivity to the offense that was missing this year, I think would be absolutely massive for them. Absolutely massive. I actually think you Did might you? be underselling it a bit. I think – oh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, please. Oh, well, thank you, Ben. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, I, you know what? You take it back. I, I, you made me lose my train You lost of your train of thought. On, it's all right. Man. Hey, it's all right. Come I know. On, We're man. getting people in involved in the producer's pit. This is all just the starting of the I wave know. of what we will have because it's going to be a fun family environment here <laughs> on the morning after. But what I was going to say, John, to your point there about the explosivity – You can tell that John James often works as a writing tutor to help people craft their narratives in college essays. What a wonderful adjective you have added to the morning after. Maybe I am selling it slightly short, that if the Raiders got Devontae Adams, maybe their price drops by over $5. It's just sometimes in the marketplace, whether it be on a weekly line in the NFL for any given Sunday or in the futures market, Wide receivers, running backs, other players outside of the quarterback big position don't have a tremendous move on the market. But Devontae Adams is probably, I think it's pretty safe to say, the best receiver 
in the NFL. I mean, Cooper Cup had a historic year, the best year we've ever seen out of the NFL in a wide receiver last year. But Devontae Adams, in terms of what he can do, probably the best receiver in the league. So 50 to 1 could become 45 to 1 or maybe even shorter than that. Let's get to a quarterback now, John, and that would be Jameis Winston, who was having a relatively decent year last year for the New Orleans Saints before suffering that knee injury. And if you follow social media, if you're on Twitter at all, you are seeing Jameis back in the lab in very interesting ways as he rehabs from this knee injury, but he's looking pretty good. And the Saints still need a quarterback, and they will have a new head coach in Dennis Allen that will try to uh, pave the path moving forward for New Orleans. So you have the Saints here at 34 to 1 right now to win the Super Bowl. Would those odds get shorter if it is Jameis returning and not the idea of maybe a Taysom Hill or some young quarterback like Ian Book? I think they might. And here's the interesting thing, John, in my opinion. You have the Colts, the Broncos, and the Steelers, all teams probably in need of a quarterback as Indianapolis by the middle portion of March is expected to let go of Carson Wentz but I want to focus on the Saints because I think New Orleans is an incredibly interesting team given the landscape of not just the NFC being up in the air but the dumpster fire of a division I think we can expect in the NFC South coming up but if it's not great John I mean that's how I really feel but if it's not great I think there's profitability to be made out of that division and right now the Saints have the second shortest odds from the NFC South to win the Super Bowl, to win the NFC. And then as we look at the divisional market, which is already up for the NFC South, as I scroll down the FanDuel Sportsbook here, the Saints have the second best price, nearly a dollar behind the Bucks at plus 240. The Bucks are plus 145. John, if the Saints get Jameis Winston and they sign him back to be the quarterback in New Orleans and they keep that congruity there, I think the Saints are going to be my pick to win what might be a pretty mediocre division or a dumpster fire of a division in the NFC South. But there is value on New Orleans and a great job by you, including them in this graphic. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I think you said it right. You know, like the, the congruity and the continuity, I think, is, is the big thing that they were missing yeah. last year. And, you know, to start off the season, they were, you know, it would, despite their struggles to start the season, they were still right there in the playoff picture as we got down the home stretch. So, you know, yeah. having that guy, having that, you know, that guy consistent, sticking around, obviously we all have our thoughts on Taysom Hill, not a starting quarterback in my opinion, but that's right. another discussion entirely. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think ultimately, yeah, having that consistency, certainly with combined with that defense, you know, it definitely makes them a, a top contender, in my opinion. Although, you know, with, without Sean Payton, I will be interested to see what, what they're like moving forward here. In a top 10 defensive unit in the NFL, both of the last two seasons under Dennis Allen, who was the defensive coordinator promoted to that head coaching spot, as Sean Payton will probably be on your TV screen here very, very soon. Maybe Sports Grid's NFL analyst, and then we break all this down with Sean Payton, not John Shames. Although, hey, speak who's to say what an upgrade is? Hey, we will speak it into existence Manifest. and again <laughs> there we go i love the positivity that you bring again i think there is a price on the new orleans saints at plus 240 right now to win the nfc south division because we don't know who the bucks quarterback is going to be 
And if it's Jimmy Garoppolo, do we feel all that confident about that? And the Saints would have been a playoff team this past season had it not been for the Niners coming back from down 17-0 in the first half to beat the Rams in that regular season finale in overtime. Let's focus on the NFC West as we round out this segment quickly here, John. You, a proud alum of Syracuse University, as am I, and I have some updates for you that we will discuss when we're not on air during the commercial break. But Chandler Jones, also a proud alum of SU, got off to a great start this NFL season, ended up with double-digit sacks at 10 and a half. It is rumored the Arizona Cardinals are not going to actively pursue re-signing him. They are 28-1 to right now to win the Super Bowl. And obviously, John, they have probably bigger concerns in getting Kyler Murray back and happy in their organization. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't necessarily agree with the decision to kind of just let him test, test the waters and potentially walk away. Um, they were right there for a lot of it last year, you, you know, and yeah. and to, to try and, in my opinion, when you're in that position, you want to keep the core together as much as possible, especially if you have a, a committed Kyler ready to come back if he gets the money he wants. That's a sidebar, though. But, yeah, I, I think I think you said it right. You know, if, if, if he's not going to be back with the Cardinals, someone else is going to find him because there's he's certainly a difference maker on the defensive end. He could be a huge free agent ad this NFL offseason. The NFL never stops. Major League Baseball has stopped for the time being. We get an update next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Right back here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. We are going through the NFL offseason. We talk about college basketball in this time of March. The NFL never stops. College basketball in full swing as we approach the postseason. We wish we could also break down some spring training games and look at the futures market for Major League Baseball. But at the time, the lockout obviously continues for MLB. We look to get the latest on what is happening and what is next the path moving forward for major league baseball and one of the best in the know that hopefully can help us decipher what we have moving forward for major league baseball is bob nightingale a usa today sports mlb columnist covering the sport with the absolute best of them bob thank you so much for joining us here on a thursday morning on the morning after sure my pleasure so, Bob, we had an update from you and many others around baseball that Dan Halem from Major League Baseball and Bruce Meyer are going to meet today in New York City, the two lead negotiators on both sides, in an informal one-on-one -on -one to try to discuss what? What do you think the topics of the conversation will be today in trying to get back to the negotiating table? Yeah, I think just simply, and they're both legally obligated to keep on negotiating or bargaining, uh, just where do we go from here type of thing. Uh, you know, it won't be anything today. It's not negotiation session or anything like that. Just talking like, okay, is that your best offer? Is this your best offer? You know, what do you want to do here? I'm sure MLB will bring up uh, the possibility of federal mediator again. The unions, you know, probably say we're still not interested. And then, uh, you know, we may see some radio sounds for a while. It's, it's going to get uglier before it gets better. 
So, Bob, you mentioned that it's not a formal negotiation of sorts today, and it might get uglier before it gets better, but when do you expect it to get better, or when do you expect at least the negotiations to ramp up? I think you start ramp, ramping up again maybe 10 days or two weeks. Uh, hopefully, you know, no longer than two weeks. But, yeah, I think they're, you know, they just met for nine consecutive days, 16 and a half hours at one session. So, uh I think, you know, both will go say, you know, let's go talk to uh, every man our sides. Uh, the owners got to get together. And, uh, you know, they, you know the, the big sticking point now is probably the luxury tax. And I'm sure, you know, Rob Manfred, Dan Halen will say, we got to have 23 votes of the 30. And we can't go above a, a certain threshold. So, uh, you know, go from there. And I'm sure the union will say, well, get your guys in line. So I think there'll be a lot of back and forth between the uh, the owners to say, okay, how much higher can we do the thre threshold where everybody can be comfortable with, particularly the small and medium markets. And Bob, as we saw that reported best and final offer on Tuesday prior to the deadline of 5 p.m. Eastern that allowed the lockout to continue and regular season games to be canceled, it still seemed like the players and the owners were very far off from one another. How do they start to bridge that gap when negotiations begin to take place once again? Well, at least now they know exactly where they stand. I mean, you know, the big problem was the 14-team, uh, 12-team playoff pool. Uh, so they agreed on 12. Uh, they agreed on, you know, the lottery number. Uh, well, I, I should say one-off between uh, a lottery pick of six or seven teams. Uh, they agreed on universal DH. Uh, you know, the minimum salary is only $25,000 apart. The only two big issues is lecture tax threshold. You know, they're about $20 million apart there to start with. And just how big that pre-arbitration bonus pool is in their, uh, you know, about 55 or uh, about $50 million apart there. So they've agreed pretty much on all the other stuff. Uh, so, you know, progress is made. So, you know, hopefully they can just start at that point. But the problem now is you got, you know, the two complex issues as far as back pay. Do the players get paid for games missed? And how about service time for games missed? Yeah, Bob, I think that's probably the next discussion because we already know the first two series of this regular season in Major League Baseball have been canceled by the commissioner, Rob Manfred. And although the players seem like a united front right now when they start missing game checks in payment for the regular season, does that change things from a player's perspective, in your opinion? Well, it could. I mean, they, uh, you, know, you miss your paycheck on opening day. You miss your paycheck on April 15th. Uh, Associate Press calculated that every day missed during the season is worth $20.5 million for uh, player salaries. Uh, Max Scherzer is, you know, would miss $232,000 a day. So, you know, that's, that's a, uh, you know, real concern. That's why I'm not sure the players will say we'll do a deal at some point, but we better get that back pay. Bob Nightingale from USA Today Sports, a Major League Baseball columnist, joining us here on the morning after on this Thursday. Speaking of some of the biggest name players in the sport, Mike Trout, a man that doesn't really use social media much, taking to social media yesterday to offer his thoughts on what is happening now in Major League Baseball and as the lockout continues. Bob, in your opinion, what is the significance of this statement from Mike Trout? Yeah, just like you said, he doesn't really, you know, talk much, talk controversial, you know, take, you know, 
big stands. For him to say that was huge for the players' union. I mean, he's one of the faces of, of all of baseball. So, uh, you know, the, I'm sure they were ecstatic that he came out and said that. And you know, Mike Trout is so popular among fans. It's like he says that. The fans say, okay, I'm with you. I'm going to blame the owner's side. I'm, gonna, I'm still going to stick with the players. So I thought there was a, uh, you know, a, a huge move for, for the PA to have Mike Trout say that. Bob, you were there in Jupiter, Florida, as these negotiations were taking place and the two sides were meeting constantly over the past seven, nine, ten days or so. Did you believe in the actual progress that was being made? Because I think at times some fans were watching and thinking, is this just PR? Is there actually progress happening? What are we seeing play out? Did you think there was actual progress in the two sides meeting in Jupiter? You know, absolutely. It was a uh, progress that's being made, particularly you know, before midnight when they agreed on the 12-team playoff proposal. And then they, uh, you know, the fact that, that the longer it went, you know, 16 and a half hours, it's like, okay, if it wasn't going to uh, get close, both sides would break up. You know, finally it came to a thing where, you know, we can't get quite over the last hurdles. Let's uh, break up and, and move, uh, move these discussions back tomorrow morning. I think once the two sides went to bed, then it's like, okay, more voices came into effect, things like that. Uh, mm. When they went back to meet again on uh, you know, Tuesday late morning, it was never the same. It was never that momentum. So mm. it was never, you know, never looked like it was going to happen that night, but it certainly looked like, okay, they're going to be uh, at the five-yard line here when, uh, when they start resuming negotiations, and that didn't happen. It's almost like they, you know, went, went back to the 50. So March 31st was the originally scheduled day for Major League Baseball's opening day. Yesterday on the show, Bob, we had some fun and set an over-under for April 21st being the new opening day in Major League Baseball once the lockout comes to a close. If I gave you an over or under on April 21st, which side are you taking? I'll take the over. Uh, I think if everything breaks right, May 1st would be the starting date. Uh, okay. You know, there's like I said, there's going to be a couple of weeks of, uh, you know, ugly talks and things like that. Uh, you know, once they left Jupiter without a deal, I think everybody knew on both sides, okay, everybody's digging in. It's going to be, it's going to be the long haul before we get going again. So, uh, yeah, I don't see any magical resolution here in the next uh, week or 10 days at all. So a lot of fans were frustrated by this process playing out and what has happened here in this lockout continuing in canceling regular season games. And there's been discussion, Bob, obviously, about what does this do for the future impact of that fandom around Major League Baseball? What do you make of that discussion? How harming do you think this is or how harmful, I should say, for Major League Baseball as this lockout continues? Well, I think this one will leave permanent scars. I really do. Remember now, baseball's popularity has been declining for years. Four straight years of attendance uh, being down. Lowest rate World Series of all time last year. Uh, people are kind of disgusted with the game. You know, they're bored by the inaction and everything else. And I think this will just give people an excuse like, hey, I'll, let me watch games more exciting. Uh, I think if you took a survey of a casual sports fan, 90% of the people didn't even know there was a baseball lockout until Monday after the Super Bowl. You know, saying, hey, what do you mean there's no spring training? So, uh, you know, baseball, what, number six now on the Gen Z poll, you know, 21 and under in uh, among professional sports. And they're even behind beach volleyball 
among uh, popularity for you know professional sports right now. Yeah, it was a sad day for baseball for sure on Tuesday when that deadline came and passed and no new collective bargaining agreement had been uh, agreed to, I should say. So, Bob, as we look at this timeline of what has happened in this lockout, is day number 92 of the Major League Baseball lockout. What have you made of the timeline of how everything has occurred to get us to this point where regular season games have now officially been canceled? Well, they should have started talking you know, a long, long time ago. The big problem was the lockout started midnight December 1st, and they didn't talk again for 43 days. That was a big problem. And then when they did talk, it was like, you know, once every 10 days, 12 days. There was never, you know, any real negotiations until they went to Jupiter. So what they accomplished in Jupiter, what they accomplished that one day in Jupiter was more than they, you know, did the uh, previous three months. So those type of talks should have happened, you know, beginning in December, if not, you know, if not before, you know, to avoid the lockout, you know, uh, really it should have started in the late summer and it never did. So, Bob, once a deal is agreed to, what does the timeline look from then to get things up and running for players to get back in action and go through a pseudo spring training to get us to regular season games once again? Well, it's going to be a, uh, you know, say they have a handshake deal. Okay, we agreed. Then it's going to take about two, three days for the lawyers to ratify it. And then once that happens, then, you know, people come to camp. Remember, there are still a couple hundred free agents. Uh, you know, yeah. foreign players without visas, you got to have a job before you get a visa. So it's going to be a crazy month. So I think that's why they want spring training to be a month and not three weeks as hell as well. I know they talk about injuries, but they need, you know, teams to get, get together. You need to give time for free agents. Uh, it's going to be a, a wild, wild frenzy. So that's why, you know, you, almost you need almost four and a half weeks by the time they actually shake hands uh, to go through all the legal hurdles. Yeah, and we've seen the World Series odds for this upcoming season once it officially begins, and those are probably going to change drastically as that free agency frenzy begins once the lockout finally comes to a conclusion. Bob Nightingale, a USA Today Sports Major League Baseball columnist, joining us here on the morning after on this Thursday, giving us the latest on the lockout and what the timeline and path looks like moving forward. Bob, thank you very much for your time on this Thursday. Sure, my pleasure. Thank you. Great having Bob Nightingale here to discuss all that is happening in Major League Baseball. Hopefully a deal coming very, very soon. Plenty more to come here on this Thursday on the morning after as we continue to go across the sports landscape. A great discussion of the hardwood handicap coming up on this Thursday night, both in the NBA and in college basketball as well. I'm not sure if you've heard, but the return of Kevin Durant is expected tonight in Brooklyn for the Nets. And we have a great matchup between two teams in the NBA that are really starting to look like front runners and contenders with the Memphis Grizzlies facing off against the Boston Celtics. Plenty more to come here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Stay with us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
They say nobody cares about hockey, but that's not the case here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. We close out our number two of TMA on this Thursday with Alex Fasano's fun fact of the day. Again, as you can tell, over this show, over the next coming weeks, here on the morning after, you will get to see the pieces of this family that make the morning after and the Spiz Grizz family great each and every weekday morning. We've seen Greg Sussman. We've seen John Shames. And now through the words that I will reiterate, you will hear from Alex Fasano as you do in every Sports Grid news update as well. Our executive producer here on the grid in the mornings. And here is the fun fact that lets you know that NHL hockey certainly means something. On this day in 1920, the Montreal Canadiens scored an NHL record 16 goals, beating the Quebec Bulldogs 16 to 3 still stands as the most goals by one team in a single game. The Quebec Bulldogs became the Hamilton Tigers after that season because if you get 16 goals scored on you, you got to change your name. It's the only thing you have left to do. And until 1925, that was the Hamilton Tigers until that team was revoked from the league. They won two Stanley Cups in 1912 and 1913, but now with no baseball, could hockey see a bump in interest, maybe handle, maybe wagering? on the FanDuel Sportsbook. And Alex Fasano doesn't just give you fun facts. Alex Fasano knows his hockey. He knows his puck. And that is certainly the case with what I'm about to say. Alex Fasano wants me to tell you that his pick, if you have renewed interest in hockey to win the Stanley Cup, the Carolina Hurricanes right now at 10-1 to 1 to win Lord Stanley's Cup on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes have allowed the second least amount of goals this year and have the second best goal differential in the league. 6-2-2 two, and two in their last 10 games as well. NBA is in the home stretch, as is the NHL. And the Hurricanes at 10-1, to one, a pretty good spot there from Alex Fasano, who you will hear from in this Sports Grid News update coming up next. On the other side of the break, it's Happy Hour on TMA.